Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. Today on the show, I'm going to tell you the story of Dr. John Mack. He was an esteemed professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School and a Pulitzer Prize winning biographer. Dr. John Mack never intended to become an expert in the study of alien abductees, but that's exactly what happened. I'm also going to throw some shade to another podcast over some anti-vegan comments they made. Don't upset the vegans, guys. We're going to take over the planet one day. Hello and welcome. Thank you for being here. I'm Brad and today I'm drinking Stumptown coffee. So good. This is probably my favorite store-bought cold brew I think I've had. It's a Portland, Oregon-based roaster, which is increasingly getting more popular across the country. Um, this original brew was released in March of 2011 at various cafes and retail shops, and it's uh, made its basically the way they do this is um, they take the grinds and they steep them from 12 hours at room temperature. And then the coffee is then double filtered for a smooth chocolatey ride. Um, I think that method is probably an extra step that the other guys aren't doing, and it makes it so good. Um, although this particular bottle I have, uh, Stumptown Cold Brew, it files itself as ready to drink category, but it's really potent. Uh, I personally like to cut it with half or a quarter water, just depending on my mood, how tired I am or how much sleep I got the night before. Um, but it definitely have it on the rocks. It's good stuff. Good summer coffee. Almost too good, actually. I just want to keep drinking it all day long. So beware. But I highly recommend it. Stumptown. All right, so I just have to get this off my chest. It's been uh, brewing for a while now. One of my favorite podcasts made a comment that was kind of the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. If you've been following my podcast, you might remember me mentioning that I'm vegan. And I try not to be annoying about it. I uh, don't judge people anymore. I'll be honest, I did uh, when it was very new to me. But I now have come to a place where I feel like I can't judge people for eating meat because I used to do the same thing. Um, if someone asks me why I'm vegan, I'm more than happy to tell them. Um, but I try not to just wear it on my sleeve. Uh, one thing I don't get, though, is why people feel the need to talk trash about vegans like we're ISIS or something. I mean, even if you don't agree uh, with the belief that meat, dairy, and eggs are bad for you, I mean, is it horrible? Is it a horrible thing to have compassion for animals? But people do regularly uh, in the movies or TV shows. They always, always make vegans out to be the most annoying, crazy characters in the story. Like we're just a bunch of nut jobs because we don't like supporting the mass slaughter of animals. You know, what? watch out for it the next time that you see it. See a vegan represented in a TV show or movie. Prove me wrong. I'd love to hear it. Well, now it's made its way to one of my favorite podcasts. And I love these guys, too. They have this great podcast. It's called 
the Bumblebutt podcast. <laughs> That's Bumblebutt. And they're a true crime comedy show. And I didn't even know you could put comedy in that genre, but they nail it. Uh, I highly encourage everyone to check it out. But Adam, I'm going to have to take you to task, buddy, on your comments in last week's episode. It wasn't very uh, Minnesota nice, if you ask me. Just uh, just listen to how this goes down. <laughs> I don't want another species to do what we do to, like, cows. Or each other. Or each other. So tell them about that uh, genetically grown cow. Where'd you hear that from? Oh, so uh, this was a few years ago. Um, it was basically, it wasn't a, it was a cow that they made the meat. Uh, they made cow meat in a mm -hmm. Petri dish. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had, I don't know who it was. It was an expert on the taste of meat, I guess, <laughs> whatever. But they told him to, you know, enjoy it because it cost about 200 grand to make. Apparently it didn't have any, um, any meat fat in it. Okay. So it was just like eating a 100% lean burger. Right. But he said it tasted like cow. I mean, wow. just normal steer. So, you know. Wow. But <laughs> apparently that's what we're all going to be eating in about 50 years after the cows destroy our, our uh, well, he brought environment. Well, he brought up a good point that technically vegans vegans could eat it because it doesn't yeah. have a face. There's no animal product. It, it's harm-free. Yeah. yeah. Those vegans, know. those crazy bastards, they do everything they can to pretend they're eating meat. With their little burgers. Oh, and their all little that fucking shit. I black bean burger. I don't, there. I don't mind those, but they're obviously not nearly as good as actual uh, meat. I know. And maybe they're meat's, okay. maybe meat's not good for you. Maybe it's not good for your colon and gives you cancer or whatever. All right, let me clear this up for you, Adam. There is no guess that meat causes cancer, it's a fact. It also causes heart disease and all other kinds of horrible ways to die. And uh, another thing. Most vegans don't eat meat substitutes regularly. I think those are geared more towards people that are trying to transition into a healthier, meat-free lifestyle. Uh, once I went vegan, I started eating all kinds of crazy fruits and vegetables uh, that I'd never tried before. Now, I'm not going to lie. I do have some veggie burgers and black bean burgers in the freezer for when I'm lazy. But uh, I don't eat them... So I can think of the good old days when I used to consume rotting flesh. What's really interesting, though, is that, what is it you said? You wouldn't want another species to do to us uh, what we do to cows. I'm just going to say it, Adam. You're a closet vegan. That's why you're hating on us so much. It's, it's easier to call us crazy than to question your own morality. But I'm going to say I still love your podcast, so keep that part up. You guys also bash uh, alien abductees, at least in the last episode, and I'm not sure if that was at particular individuals. I'm here to tell you that uh, alien abductions are a real thing, and that's what this episode is all about. John Mack was an American psychiatrist, uh, writer, and professor at Harvard Medical School. He was a Pulitzer Prize-winning biographer and received his medical degree from Harvard Medical School. He was very well respected by his colleagues, and, but that all changed after he was introduced to Bud Hopkins. 
when one of Dr. Mack's Harvard colleagues asked if he'd like to meet Hopkins, uh, he had no idea who he was and assumed he just needed psychiatric help. But that wasn't the case. Hopkins was an established artist whose work was featured in museums and magazines, other publications. He was also known for something else, though, and that was he was a prominent figure in the alien abduction phenomenon and also in UFO research. Bud Hopkins is often credited with popularizing the idea of alien abductions. When Mack and Hopkins finally met, he was cynical at first, but Hopkins told him to interview the people and decide for himself. Um, but something there happened that was so compelling that Mack plunged into the field of abduction research and studied over 200 self-proclaimed abductees or experiencers. The stories varied, but many of the abductees had consistencies like being taken from their home by the extraterrestrials where they were moved aboard spaceships, and then once there, uh, sperm or ovary extractions took place. It was reported throughout the findings that this practice was part of an alien-human hybrid breeding program. So that's a lot to take in. Um, Dr. Mack takes all that data as well as all of the psychiatric histories of the abductees and does thorough research and determines that they're all of sound mind. And he goes on further to tell his colleagues that he believed that, quote, something important is going on. Dr. Max suggests that the alien abductors are here to show us that we've cut ourselves off from a universe that, as world religions have long taught, contains intelligences beyond the material realm. Uh, one of the messages that the abductees bring to us is the main theme of ecological destruction on a scale that threatens the survival of Earth's living systems, primarily humans and animals. Global climate change has already had observable effects on the environment. Glaciers have shrunk, uh, ice on rivers and lakes is breaking up earlier in the years, um, plant and animal ranges have shifted. Um, effects that scientists had predicted in the past would result from climate change are now occurring. We have loss of sea ice, accelerated sea levels, and uh, also more intense heat waves. And scientists have high confidence that this global temperatures are going to continue to rise for decades to come, largely due to the greenhouse gases produced by human activities. This is a recurring message from the extraterrestrials to the abductees. One of my favorite cases that John Mack studied was the aerial school story. And it goes like this. On September 14th, 1994, a UFO streaked across the sky over Southern Africa. Two days later, it landed in a schoolyard in Rua, Zimbabwe. This was witnessed by 62 schoolchildren who, with little or no exposure to TV or popular press accounts of UFOs, um, they weren't introduced to that concept yet. It was morning whenever the kids went out into the schoolyard. They saw one main silver craft that had four others around it. It came down the hill beyond the schoolyard, so the kids ran over to the edge of the schoolyard so they could see it, 
And that's when they saw this small creature walk around the top of the craft while the other came down to check out the children. He was in all black and it was a very tight suit. The children said that he had big eyes like rugby balls. They had direct eye contact with this creature. There seems to have been some kind of communication with the children about the state of the world and what we're doing to the planet. Some of the children were traumatized and others were excited. So they all went back to the teachers screaming, talking about the story that just happened. And the teachers didn't believe them at first. But then they went home and told their parents who came back and wanted to have some answers. So they collaborated and soon afterwards the children were asked to draw pictures of what they had seen. And they did this separately, but the drawings were all the same. And so are the accounts that were told to Dr. Mack during the interview. And that's what I'm going to play for you right now. Something scared you, is that right? Yes. What, what scared you? The noise. What noise? The noise that we heard in the air. You heard a noise in the yes. air? What was it like? Like a roar or a buzz or a hum or what kind of a noise? It was like someone was blowing a flute. It was scary myself. It was scary because you saw something yourself? Yes. Mm -hmm. I saw little objects hovering. It was quite big actually, and then there was little ones all around it. We saw something silver, and then we quickly ran to the, lo to the logs, and we saw a silver, silver thing, and we saw a man standing next to it. What, was it, what did it feel like when he was looking at you? felt scared. It, it felt scared? What was scary about it? Well, I felt scared because I've never seen such a person like that before. Did you see the eyes? What did they look like? They were um, going like that. Where was the pointy part? Was the pointy part in here or was the pointy part up out there? Up there. And what was the feeling when you looked at the eyes? Um, it was scary. Mm-hmm. And what, scary why? What made it scary? The eyes looked evil. Evil? Mm -hmm. And what was evil about them? Mm -hmm. Say what you mean by evil. It, uh, it, it looked evil because it was just staring at me. With what? Staring at you as if what? As if to do what? As if it wanted to come and take us. As if it wanted to come and take you. That was the feeling you got? That it wanted you to go with it? Did you feel like you wanted to go with it? No. Did you feel... What was the effect on you when, when you felt it wanted to have you go with it? Have... I just um, walked away and I started crying. To both of them were running. One was running um, in the trees and the other one was running, running across the ship. Because mm -hmm. there were also trees here. Mm -hmm. The eyes were, were like more pointed as they came in toward the center of the yes. head, is that? No, more circular. And this was all black. All black. Now you've made pupils. Did they actually have pupils or black? White. What? The pupils were white like that. And you saw white in the center? Yes, like that. Mm -hmm. Was he near the, uh, the silver object or was he far? No, then top. On top of the silver yes. object, okay. And um, 
Did you look at him? Yes. Did he look at you? Yes, he gave me the creeps, then I stopped Gave you the creeps. Actually, in your drawing, you showed him standing up, didn't you? Yes, I had to draw him standing up, was I couldn't draw him sitting. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was maybe the, the world's going to end, maybe they're telling us the world's going to end. Um, why do you think they might want us to be scared? Because um, we maybe because we never we don't look after the planet and the area properly. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me. This is. Is this an idea that uh, you have had before that we don't look after the planet properly in the air, or did this idea come to you? when you had this experience? When I had this experience. Mm -hmm. And how did that idea come to you from this experience? This is a little hard, but try, try to be with me here, okay? When you, how did this idea come to you when you had this experience? I just felt all horrible inside. You felt horrible. At what point did you feel that? When you saw the craft or at, when you got home at night? Or when I got home. You had that horrible feeling when you got home? Yes. And say more about that horrible feeling, Lisa. What was it like? It was like in the world, all the trees will just go down and, and there will be no air and people will be dying. Mm -hmm. And those thoughts came to you, had you had those thoughts before this experience? No. No. And did, how did those thoughts come to you? Did they come to you from the craft or from... From the man. The man. And the man, did the man say those things to you? Uh, how did he get that across to you? Well, he never said anything. It's just that the face is the eyes. What, what was the sense you got from those eyes? He was interested. The aerial school sighting is one of the most significant in recent UFO history. It's the first time that such a large group of people have reported witnessing the simultaneous appearance of spaceships and alien beings. So after all this research and amazing data, Dr. Mack goes back to his Harvard colleagues to share the findings, and he naively thought that they would be excited about this topic, but instead they launched an unprecedented investigation. It lasted for 14 months. This had never happened to a tenured Harvard professor before. A committee was appointed by the dean to see what he had been up to, and it was costly. It was a costly process for him in terms of legal fees. Um, in the end, he was only censured, but no charges were filed. During the committee hearing, one person told Dr. Mack that everyone knows that UFOs can be explained as hoaxes or human-created phenomenon. Despite all the evidence, all the testimonies and briefs uh, provided by Dr. John Mack's attorney, he realized that changing worldviews required much more than just good data. Worldviews, as he says, are fundamental to who we are. They hold the psyche together, 
and they make us part of the group that shares that worldview. People have given their lives and fought wars to protect these beliefs. And when people hear about extraterrestrials taking people aboard spaceships, it shakes that worldview to its core. And this is why he and the abductees face so much ridicule. People like to think that reality is fixed and there are absolutes. And even if one of these stories is true, then we have to rethink this so-called certainty. Another aspect of it, of the cynicism, is human narcissism. You know, that we are the belief that we are the smartest or most powerful beings on the planet. And if extraterrestrials do exist, we've been demoted in the cosmic hierarchy. On Monday, September 27, 2004, uh, while he was in London, Dr. Mack was killed by a drunk driver. He was walking home after dinner with some friends when he was hit. He lost consciousness at the scene of the accident and was pronounced dead shortly thereafter. I was really moved by Dr. John Mack's story. Uh, he was a rare example of following what you believe no matter what the cost might be. He risked everything to help a marginalized community be heard and taken seriously. Not many people, myself included, would have the courage to put it all on the line to help other people. He also had the open-mindedness to question our so-called reality and make the highly evolved claim that it's all subjective. When he was asked about his belief that the abduction phenomena has important philosophical, spiritual, and social implications, here's what he had to say on that. See, behind all these questions, all these areas, all this talk about paradigm change and resistance is our worldview or our cosmology, who we are. And so I, the relevance of what I do to that arena is that what I do is a kind of game breaker because it tells us, wake up folks, things are different than you thought. Uh, that is, the Western worldview that I was raised in says that uh, we are the top of the intellectual hierarchy in the cosmos, that any perception of God or intelligence is a projection of our own unconscious. I was raised to think that way as a Freudian. And that uh, if people perceive other intelligences out there, then there's, it's, it's interpreted as some kind of psychological problem. But that would be the, the worldview. This phenomenon doesn't lend itself to it. This phenomenon says, no, that's all wrong. This phenomenon, if we take it seriously, which is to say that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of human beings in the United States and around the world are being approached or being visited by some kind of intelligence, people call them alien because they're afraid of it. Beings of several sorts, but one type most prominently, uh, three and a half to four feet tall with 
huge eyes, black eyes, blue eyes, and bald, large heads, thin bodies, often with a very high energy field around them, and that this is very real. And it's not a product of any sort of mental illness. Now, that is completely incompatible with the Western worldview. Not only does it show that there are other intelligence at work here, but they can show us that they have technological powers, they have intelligence, they have capabilities that we can't even begin to approach. So this is about as shattering a confrontation as the Western worldview could expect to have. So in that sense, it's a game-breaker. It means, and they also, just to make matters worse, they convey in the experiences, in the encounters, on the ships, through the eyes, through telepathic communication, they show us ourselves. They say, look, you're destroying the earth. It is not yours. You have to stop this. They, people become deeply troubled by, by this communication. And, uh, it's, it's like it shows us our deepest, most destructive dimension of ourselves. And so it's a, another, it's a confrontation of, of great power, which uh, is not welcome. Now, the society as a whole doesn't want to accept this. So they say, well, maybe it's psychological, or they attack me, or they you know, shoot the messenger, whatever. But a group like this, is willing to consider it because it fits in with what we're trying to do, which is to overcome the insulated arrogance of the Western worldview and change the way we do things, change all of our institutions, the destructiveness, for example, to the ecology that the whole corporate economic system has brought about. Well, this phenomenon absolutely calls that into question. It, it challenges the very institutional basis of the, of the culture. The abduction phenomenon invites us to participate in an evolution in human consciousness. For me, there's far too many consistencies amongst these random people for it to merely be a hoax or psychological delusions. You don't have to be an abductee to see what the extraterrestrials are telling us about human greed, environmental calamity. These are the problems that we need to take a hard look at. And let's hope we do that before it's too late. Dr. Mack wrote several books. Uh, one is Abduction, uh, another is Passport to the Cosmos, and many, many more. Check him out at johnemackinstitute.org. I appreciate you being part of this podcast. If you'd like to reach out to me, my email is thecoffeebuzzpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll be posting pictures that the children drew at the aerial school back in 94. I'll be posting those up on my website. That's thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com. And please check that out. I do thank you for it, and thank you for listening.